Occhio destro dominante. Right eye dominant. Rechtes Auge dominant. Right eye dominant. Höhere Eye dominant. Right eye dominant. Allein der Lumna in Muhaimina Right eye dominant. This is the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I am your host, Nick Toro Jr. For today's episode, I'm excited to bring you an interview with music photographer Danny Clinch. Danny's work has appeared in magazines all over the world, Spin, Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, New York Times. He has photographed great musicians from all different genres, be it Bob Dylan, Tupac Shakur, The Beastie Boys, Metallica, Pearl Jam, and New Jersey rock and roll legend Bruce Springsteen. And I'm pointing that out because I actually crossed paths with Danny uh, in the summer of last year down on the Jersey Shore. He had a pop-up exhibit on Long Beach Island where I happened to be vacationing. And it was great just to see his work in person and chat with him briefly. And I thought, why not invite him onto the podcast? And that's And that's the story behind today's episode and I'm really grateful that Danny agreed to join me. We talk about all different kinds of things growing up in New Jersey, spending time down the shore, taking pictures at concerts, and how he built his career into being one of the preeminent rock and roll and popular music photographers currently working today. We also get into the importance of community and also the renaissance of Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is a seaside resort town that Danny has had a hand in helping turn around its fortunes. So really great conversation. Uh, Really excited to share this one with you today. So without further ado, there's my conversation with Danny Clinch. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, welcome to the Right Eye Dominant Podcast, photographer Danny Clinch. Thanks for having me. So uh, first thing I want to jump into, because uh, we're, 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 we're two Jersey boys, so I just want to get that on the record and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and give a shout out to uh, the fact that uh, we crossed paths back in August. You had a pop-up show on Long Beach Island I happened to be in from New Mexico uh, visiting and was very excited that there was actually something that cool happening on LBI. So, uh, so uh, really excited to, to, to see that work and, and to meet you, albeit briefly, but um, I, and, and that's the impetus I think for this conversation today. So just as, as, briefly or as as uh as thoroughly as you want to let's just talk about like a little bit of your origin story um i know that you're you're from tom's river let's talk about just sort of growing up in jersey and and how you ended up uh, with a camera in your hands yeah grew up in uh, tom's river on the shore in new jersey um my mom was always taking photographs since i can remember um 
and I love to draw and paint and be creative. Um, I recall getting a camera, you know, at a yard sale. Uh, I wanted to have one like my mom when I was a little kid. And I got a little Keystone, I think it was called, a little Keystone camera, like 126 format that takes these little cartridges. And um, I just, you know, started to, ha- uh, to take photographs. And as I got older, um, a friend of mine across the street uh, actually bought like a real camera, like a Pentax K1000, which is like the old workhorse. Yeah. And I really, um, I started to borrow it from him and I would sneak it into concerts and that. And uh, I always loved music. I came from a household that had a lot of, uh, a lot of music in it. My, my mom and dad loved fifties music and we we're always playing fifties music. My dad had a, an eight track uh, cassette that basically went through all of the used cars that we had. My dad was a house painter and a paper hanger. And um, every car we got, you know, the tape came with us and it was like Richie Valens, you know, Buddy Holly, the big bopper, uh, you know, Elvis, uh, stuff like that. And uh, so I grew up on that kind of music. And, and um, you know, when it became time for me to make a decision of what I was going to do with my life, I, I had done a lot of things, uh, washing dishes. And, and I actually worked with my dad a lot, painting mm-hmm. houses, learning how to hang wallpaper and that sort of thing. And, um, and I decided, you know, I was going to try this photography thing. And um, I went to school in uh, at Ocean County College, which is right in New Jersey, which I found out also later on that Bruce Springsteen went to Ocean right. County College and was pretty much said, you can quit or we're going to kick you out like one of those deals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I've heard the stories of him like walking along Hooper Avenue when there was no tr- street lights in the dark, you know, like heading home, like hitchhiking or whatever. I don't know. But um, it didn't go, it wasn't quite that uh, ominous for me, but <laughs> I did go there for two years and uh, I, I was like one or two points away from getting my degree and decided to go uh, further my education because I really did love the photography and what I was doing, what I was learning. And I went to New England School of Photography, which is in Boston. It was a less um, intimidating, it was a less a less intimidating school than a lot of the other ones that I looked at, um, School mm-hmm. of Visual Arts and Parsons, right. things yeah. like that, RIT. And, um, and they also didn't, didn't want to take my, my credits that, uh, the, the bigger schools didn't want to take my credits. I was going to have to go to another four, four years or whatever. So I decided to, um, go to go there. It was a great move for me. I made some good friends there. Uh, a good friend of mine, I still spend time with till this day. And it was it was a good school. It was um, it was a great opportunity for me, and it, and it set me up for the next chapter, which was that I wanted to do a workshop somewhere. I wanted to further my education, like with something really interesting. And my uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife Maria, went to study. Uh, she went to FIT, and so she went to to London to study Shakespeare or whatever, or pubbing, as we like to say. She. <laughs> what she was really studying. And and I was like, wow, you know, like I I just never realized you could go, uh, uh, you know, abroad or, you know, further your education in such an interesting way. Um, And I started looking around myself and I discovered the Ansel Adams gallery workshops, which are in Yosemite. 
And it just so happened that the year I was interested in going, the two of the instructors was uh, one was Annie Leibovitz and one was David Hockney. Mm, wow. It was a really eye-opening experience for me. And I I really dove in to the Annie part specifically. Um, I think I was cutting other classes to go twice to Annie's class or, you know, whatever. And uh, her assistant at the time, uh, Dave Rose, basically uh, towards the end said, Annie told me to keep an eye out for like an intern or something. You know, do you have any interest in that? Because if you do, she's going to ask you to uh, intern at the at the, the studio. I was like, man, I just checked my calendar and, you know, I'm free. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> my plan afterwards was to go. There was another workshop, a Friends of Photography workshop in Carmel, California. I was going to go there, which I did. Um, and then I was going to stay with some friends in uh, Los Angeles. And I was going to go visit the photographers I admired at the time, you know, Herb Ritz and Matthew Ralston and, you know, folks like that and knock on the door and see if I could get a gig. Um, but I didn't have to, cause I was asked by Annie to go, uh, and work for her as, a, and I worked my way up to being one of her assistants. Um, and that flowed into working for Stephen Mizell, uh, Mary Ellen Mark, uh, Lynn Goldsmith, uh, Timothy White, you know, a bunch oh. of, all heavy hitters in, in, yeah. in the photo world is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me, um, I realized after working with Annie that, you know, I wasn't going to be, you know, the second coming of Annie Leibovitz. You know, I was going to be just Danny Clinch, you know, and like I had the things that I liked that I that I got from her that are very valuable to this day. And the same with all the rest of them, taking things from Stephen and Timothy White, et cetera. Um, to, you know, things that suited my personality and and I could apply to my vision. Yeah. It seems like just those opportunities. I mean, there's so many things that you've already brought up that I, I want to uh, jump on, but it, it seems like that those kind of opportunities, not necessarily influencing you stylistically, but definitely showing you how that world operates, I think. Right. And, 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 Huge. It, you know, and, and clearly you've, you've parlayed that into a, a very successful career, but I think that that is also, I, I think, uh, a testament to, um, you know, your curiosity brought you to those places that just opened you up to those opportunities and then they present themselves and, and you jumped on it. So that's, that's super, uh, and, and, and it's interesting too, because I think about, you know, Annie Leibovitz, uh, and, and in some ways looking at her work and sort of like the, sort of the world that she inhabited or continues to inhabit, there's definitely common ground there, uh, with your work, but in, in many ways, and, and this isn't blowing smoke up your butt, but I mean, like you, you've defined your own place in that world. And so, uh, but it, it it's, it's clear that being open to those, those influences and opportunities when they presented themselves definitely just uh, served you well. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, so like, cause I'm a, like I spent every summer down in Seaside Heights. So I would drive by Tom's river and I want to know what it was like, what was your relationship to the shore? And this is leading you to the Asbury park discussion, which I want to touch on, but yeah. like what, what was that? And you even mentioned the Bruce Springsteen and I knew like, I, I knew that he also went to the school that you went to and, and sure. heard those stories. Yeah, no, but, but I mean like there's, there honestly, there's like, 
it's the lore, I think, of our common place yeah. that sort of like we have those reference points. And yeah. I, I think you're just a couple of years older than I am. So I'm just curious, like, you know, my perspective was like, you know, like jumping in the car from Bergen County and getting those two weeks on the beach was like, that was it for me. That was the dream. And mm-hmm. so the, the Springsteen songs and all of the boardwalk and all of that is this sort of like nostalgia and mystique all rolled into one. But I'm curious to hear, you know, like you for all intents and purposes grew up down the shore. And I just want to, what was it like for you? What, you know, I was a Benny that would come down. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> You, oh, yeah. you were you were a local. Benny's, so. Benny's go home was the bumper <laughs> sticker, right? At the time, right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up. I grew up there, so I was. You know, you don't realize at that point how lucky you are to be literally seven minutes from Seaside Heights Boardwalk and the ocean, whether it's Ortley Beach or Island Beach State Park or any of those places. And um, you know, we went all the time as kids. Uh, we went to the amusements there, uh, to the arcades, the carousel, uh, the pizza, uh, you know, the, the games, everything. And then we bought our kids, you know, and then, you know, the, the, the cousins and then my sisters got kids and they have kids. And, you know, we all go to Seaside with the kids to have a, a, a Jersey shore summer moment, you know? Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And, and as a kid, I remember winning like some of my early albums uh, on the boardwalk, you put your money down on the game of chance and round and round it goes where it stops. No one knows. Lucky Leo's. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, you can put a quarter down and win an album, you know? And right. I, I, I remember the first two that I won. I don't remember in what order, but it was Fleetwood Mac rumors and born to run, you know, wow, there you go. So <laughs> when I was a kid, so, um, that was what happened there. I also was a, um, a soccer player, uh, in high school and I was a, on the swim team and that, and so I ended up, uh, being a lifeguard there, uh, on, the, in my summers when I wasn't, when, when I was going to school, Nice. I, I worked at, I, uh, at Ortley beach for a bunch of years. And then I moved to seaside park and my friends worked at Island beach state park. And, you know, we were part of that whole like lifeguard party in the summertime, you know, hangs and stuff. And yeah. being the ones that were able to surf or boogie board or whatever, swim during the hurricane waves. Cause we were lifeguards, you know, everyone right. else was out of the water and we got to go in and, and ride the big waves, which was, which was always fun. <laughs> it's so um, cool, man. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, you know, now we love the summertime. We still go over there. Uh, I also happen to really love uh, this time of year when the sun is still out and it's still pretty warm. I just was over there, you know, in seaside, I, I ride my bike there, you know, take walks, uh, you know, my wife and I'll go over there to kill some time and take a long walk. Mm ride it's it's beautiful and you know as you said living on the shore and you hear these songs like you know i i was turned on to springsteen and that through my friends older brother and sister they were our sort of musical guides when we were kids they were listening to springsteen the allman brothers jackson brown cat stevens warren zevon bob seeger Oh, you know, stuff like that. We, you know, that's what we were listening to. Sure. Um, 
And so to hear um, someone like, you know, Springsteen talking about Route 9 or Route 88 or, you know, any of that stuff, uh, you Mawa and everything, you know, you're just like, oh, man, you know, it's it was really kind of it really was kind of cool um yeah yeah in in many ways i I mean like i joke with a lot of my friends who are not from new jersey and and say it's like like obligatory that when you're a kid you got to have your copy of born to run it's it's sort of like bruce becomes part of your reality at some point in in some way uh but yeah i just uh I, I don't get an opportunity to geek out over that very often and, and to talk <laughs> with someone who actually had, you know, obviously has such a great relation relationship with Bruce and, and has photographed him numerous times. And I, so I want to like, just like zero in on, on your, your, your vast archive here in the book I have still moving, sitting on my desk right now. Um, do you remember like, what was the first big break for you as far as like, uh, like the that that you, you you did a photo shoot of somebody and you were like okay this is now I've arrived or now I'm this is serious. Mm. You know, um, I feel like well, I got an assignment. What what ended up happening is you know when I was working with Annie, I had like a circle of friends that were like the assistants um, and their girlfriends and. Maria at the time, we were all hanging out and living in New York City and became friends with a lot of them and still a, a good bunch of them to this day are part of a, our core friend group, which is really, really cool. Um, and I, I think, you know, for younger photographers and people in the city who are like grinding it out wherever they are, you know, your core friend group, you know, is so important. And, you know, hopefully you'll hang on to them as long as I did. And uh, it's really cool just to still spend time with them and and have the memories together and the life experiences and all that that we can draw upon. One of the people from my friend group um, there got a job as the one of the like the associate photo editor at Spin Magazine. Mm. And uh, and I was just starting to, you know, break away from assisting and trying to get more work, um, you know, shooting. And she got me an assignment to shoot for uh, for Spin Magazine. and. It's funny how the, all those things start the the ball rolling and what the thread is from that. And I feel like I've told this story a million times, but I never really said it in that way that like that thread goes through to a lot of things. And it's, it's photographing third base, the hip hop band for spin, mm-hmm. uh, getting along really well with them, specifically MC search um, who's also a producer. Uh, he, I think produced and, and, and helped sign, um, Nas to Sony. And at the time he hit me up and said, I have this young artist. I really like your style. I liked working with you. I've got this young artist that is getting signed to Sony. His name is nasty Nas. Here's the album. Uh, would you do the album packaging and, you know, campaign and whatnot? And I, I I was like, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, the record is so cinematic and so interesting. And, and, and at the time people wanted to be photographed from where they were from the hip hop of that day. were like, this is where I'm from. Come to where I live, you know, and I might be wearing some 
so some nice clothes and like you know whatever but like i am from here mm-hmm. and i want i want you to know that uh and that's what i did and 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 i did a lot of that um you know uh, I, I took i took also the third base images and brought them to Def Jam Records and Say Adams and Steve Carr were running the creative department at Def Jam called the Drawing Board and they were both young they were both my age at the time we were both in our early 20s and they were came from like I say was like a graffiti artist mm. and was friends with uh Russell and you know and hung with the Beastie Boys and you know Run DMC and Ricky Powell and all those guys And, uh, and so we kind of hit it off. They were like, Oh, just another young guy like us trying to make it happen. Looks creative. And, you know, so, so all these things started to, you know, be a thread from meeting, from, from meeting my friends to MC search to then to Nas. And then once I got in with that, those art directors, you know, it's all, it's all relationships and, you know, you just keep, keep nourishing and nurturing uh, things, you know, and I ended up doing, you know, the big L record and red man and Pete rock and CL smooth main ingredient. And, you know, uh, up to like Kanye's first record and, you know, all that stuff. And so I just find that it, it, you know, it's important. Your relationships are important and, you know, you don't want to be burning bridges and I'm not that type of person anyway, but I, right. I like to, I like to collect friends, not, not lose them. And, uh, you know, but well, it seems like the opportunity would spin and then that, you know, it's almost like maybe it's not sort of like the lightning bolt aha moment, but it's this sort of, like you said, this thread that one thing leads to another. Yeah. Um, uh, and I find it interesting actually also that, that the hip hop was sort of the opening point for you. Uh, Even though, you know, I look through the book and obviously you, you cover a broad range of, of musical styles that, you know, like, and I, and, and obviously hip hop and rap is represented in your body of work, but it's interesting to me here that that was sort of like the first, the first thing that kind of got you recognition. I I think the timing of it was was really good for a young photographer at the time because I think most people thought that the hip hop was just like a little fad, you know, it was probably going to blow over and that was it, you know, and like no one was really interested necessarily. Um, I I did know I do notice that Albert Watson seemed to be interested in photographing a lot of the hip hop stuff back in the day, but um, but anyway, my point is is that a lot of um, the bigger photographers weren't really interested and and maybe even the maybe even the budgets probably weren't that big and so it was an opportunity for young people like myself to to jump in and and then once you know the the sort of like the alternative rock bands that i was into at the time I, they all liked hip-hop you know mm-hmm. they don't like what's going on so they saw that i photographed public enemy and you know ll cool j and uh you know whatever it might be nas and they were like oh damn this is this guy's work's interesting he's actually photographing some of the people that i love and you know the 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 chili peppers and jeans addiction and pearl jam and folks like that were like also into that music so i i feel like there was you know some some sort of uh connection there as well on that stuff yeah, yeah, sure. And, and so, um, yeah, because even like, uh, you know, and and like some of the photos of the Beastie Boys, for example, um, you know, there's a beautiful photograph where uh, 
uh, one of the dudes got the camera in his hand. They're sitting up against the wall, you know, obviously like you were hanging out and, and, and there's this, I, I look at that photograph and I see like not only a comfort level, obviously between you and them, uh, and these younger faces of those guys. I mean, like, you know, it just, there was like this wonderful innocence to that photograph, but then also holding the, I guess it's a Hasselblad. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he, he's yeah. holding in his hands and, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm just imagining like you, like you handed that over and then you just kept shooting or uh, actually what, what, what happened was that, um, I often, whether I have an assistant with me or not. And at that time I didn't, um, I just went to hang out and shoot the show and to me, you know, we could use uh, some photos like you want to spend like, you know, a couple 20 minutes or whatever with them, you know, after their sound check and shoot some some portraits. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. And so I went and I had this like backpack full of cameras and I always had like all these like weird cameras. And, and the other advantage was that back then when there was no digital, if you ran out of out of, uh, you know, film in one camera and you felt like the energy was really good and you didn't want to stop and reload and, and break the energy. You just put that down and grab a different camera, you know, mm -hmm. whether it was medium format or a 35 or whatever. Um, and I, so I had next to me a pile basically of cameras, <laughs> a half frame camera, like a wide lux. I had my couple in my Hasselblad or whatever. And so he just leaned over uh, Adam Yauk just leaned over and grabbed my Hasselblad and pointed it at me. And in fact, I have the photo that he took <laughs> of me as well. It's nice. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really cool. The, the, the other thing that I've, I've, i found really interesting in, in, in the book, and, and I think you allude to it is sort of the, the you sectioned it out to live performance backstage, more documentary style, and then portraiture and I'm wondering, like, out of all, obviously you're 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 well versed at you know you throw yourself into all of those different situations. Is there one that you're most comfortable with, or prefer, or does it really matter to you? You know, it doesn't really matter to me. I think at the end of the day, like even when I'm doing a a portrait of someone on a backdrop, a very directed. I'm still like trying to get a moment, you know, I'm still like, I'm okay with like people around me. Like if, if I'm there and I got a crew and my guys turning up the music and there's a stylist over here or, or not, you know, like uh, it's nice to see when people get distracted and they sort of like their real self comes out, you know, they just like relax and they, you know, uh, instead of the one that they're presenting to you necessarily, like I'm always trying to find that little moment of, where I really feel the person, you know? Yeah. Um, and some people are really good at just, you know, you know, I mean, some people you just put them in front of the camera and point the camera at them. And they're just like, they're just photogenic. They're connected. You feel like they're letting you in and other people, you got to work really, really hard, you know? Well, let me ask you though, because it like, you are a no, you're a known photographer. Uh, you have, you know, like you're, you're a certain level of, of, or, or recognition you walk in, it's, it seems to me that like, okay, well, the, the acts that you've photographed oftentimes it's like, oh, well, and of course, and we're bringing Danny Clinch in. They, they're going to know who you are. They're going to at least 
know what to expect, even if you don't know them personally. And it seems like you, you actually do have a personal rapport with a lot of the, the people that you shoot. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, is there, are there still like, you know, like where you go in and that doesn't carry any weight and that it's sort of like, you know, it, it like either like, who is this guy or, you know, like what, are, you know, like you, you have to, you have to maneuver around handlers or, uh, agents or, you know, like, or is it, it like, I, I just imagine that, well, it's Danny clinch. So that that everyone just kind of steps out of the way for you. (laughs) I mean, that can happen. And it also, you know, doesn't happen, you know, you, you, and sometimes I, you know, I feel like I should have, you know, more, sort of like, I don't know if respect's the word, maybe it is just, you know, that I'm there for a reason. And, um, you know, I'm good at my job, and I'm not going to waste someone's time. That's how I feel, you know, whereas like, other people might have a different take on it. And they're, they're a publicist or a manager. And they're, they're, you know, nine out of the 10 people who come through or feel like you're, they're wasting your time you know? Yeah. Right. There's two sides to it all. So, so for me, it's nice when people under, you know, know my work and, and, you know, maybe they feel a little bit more relaxed or maybe they're even more nervous. I don't know, but you know, I always try to find a common ground with people that whether it's about music or photography or where they're from or what they drive, or, you know, I'm trying to find something that I can connect with someone. And, you know, you got to remember sometimes also the people that I'm photographing are like a lot more well-known than I am, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they're just like, well, this guy's just, you know, a photographer or whatever, you know? So they're either, you know, they could, they could not give a hoot or even know, you know, what, what I've done. And my thing is just like, I like to just be relaxed and I like to have a nice life experience with people. And at the end of the day, you're kind of really, you're, you're usually your goal is to come away with one photograph that you can live with as your representation of that shoot. Um, And it's been really interesting for me to go back through my archive, which I started to do during the, the pandemic and to just dive in and say like, wow, here's a shoot that I did with green day in like 94 and these are my three hero images that I've always used and like, Holy shit. Like, look at all these other ones. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like back then who would have thought that green day would be where they are today. Yeah. You know? well, and well, let me ask you, is that, um, especially going back and revisiting your archive, like what, what, like, let's say there's, obviously like images that of yours that maybe have surprised you, like which are the ones that you're most proud of or are sort of like, like to like you look at it and said, okay, well, this is sort of like the pinnacle of, of, of what I've done, or is it that even possible to, to assess? You know, I think it is kind of impossible, but you know, it's like, I don't know. Like I feel like um, everybody's way of, you know, their everybody's sort of uh reason for it being a pinnacle are different um i do know that like you know i did this um johnny cash photograph uh that was taken in 1994 my mom 
loves Johnny Cash. Her best friend loved Johnny Cash. My family, you know, was probably on that eight track record. The Johnny Cash is, you know, Johnny Cash, right? Yeah. And uh, I got an opportunity to photograph him. And um, I had also recently met um, Luscious. Uh, wait. Um, oh, I, I think I met. Oh, yeah. I had recently met um, Rick Rubin through the Beastie Boys. And, um, and I knew he was working with Johnny Cash. They had done the first record. I was so happy that he bought Johnny Cash back into the public eye. And, mm-hmm. and, and I sent him of that photograph as a gift and a thank you. And I wrote him a note and I said, man, love Johnny Cash. I'm so glad and grateful that you brought this out of him. And um, they started their next record and they ended up, um, Rick had that photograph in the recording studio when they were recording and everybody that walked by said, well, if you're calling it solitary man, like this is the, this is the photo, you know? And, um, and sure enough, Rick, you know, called me up and said, we'd like to use this on the album cover for solitary man. And we'd like to uh, also note if you have any more photos of, of him that we could use, which I did. And, and then, um, um, and recently I'm actually working on like a, a t-shirt line of like old school rock and roll style, you know, t-shirts, very simple, almost like a, like a print, like on a shirt, mm-hmm. and the recent drop, um, on what we're calling clinch collections is the Johnny cash, that Johnny cash image. Nice. And, and the beastie boys image that you shouted out the one. Oh. With the, yeah. I'll get one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's. Like, can we just talk a little bit about like your 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 presence now in Asbury Park, the Transparent yeah. Gallery? Okay. So, tell me a little bit about what's going on in Asbury Park for you now, and yeah. uh, the Transparent Gallery in particular. Yeah. Uh, well, Asbury Park has always been a place that um, I've come to since I was a kid. Uh, the Stone Pony being what it is. Um, I would come all the time when I was younger, trying to see Bruce Springsteen. Uh, my wife and I would come here, you know, to see many different shows. Warren Zevon, The Stray Cats, um, uh, Cindy Lauper, you know, I've all these, you know, and sneak my camera in, mm-hmm. you know, maybe hoping to see Bruce. Never did until much later uh, at the Pony. But, um, you know, continued coming and, and and I would come down here and do photo shoots really with um, some bands in New York City who wanted something gritty but didn't want to be in New York and like in the city. We'd come down here and Asbury was just vacant. There was mm-hmm. nobody here, nothing. And we would have the whole run of the place. It was like having a movie set to shoot on. And I did that with uh, quite a few bands. And then the, you know, it started to uh, uptick again and it stalled a bunch of times. And this time around there was two, you know, um, uh, this time around, like with all, all the musicians moved here, the gay community moved here. They saw, Oh, this is great. The rents were low. Could buy a really cool house for a little bit of money and all that stuff feeds on each other and starts to build up. And then finally, um, I star came in, which is, uh, one of the property holders here in town and they built the Asbury hotel, uh, out of the old Salvation army. They built another huge hotel residency on what was a, um, like a really super dilapidated site, uh, that they tried to build condos in for years and all this stuff. Finally, we got over the hump and feel like we're in a, in a pretty good place here. And, um, 
and it's just a beautiful community, very diverse. In the summertime, you can see all sorts of people from all over the world. And, you know, gay, straight, black, white, whatever, mm -hmm. however you want to dice it up, they're just all, it's just amazing. And the food's good here. And of course, the music's great here. And we had an opportunity. Um, someone came to us uh, and said, we have a space here um, at the Asbury Hotel. And we want to fill it up uh, for a couple months until we we have a use for it. And um, would you like to do a pop-up gallery there? And I was like, I was with my wife and we were like, well, we'll do it if we could get, you know, a drum kit in there and like, you know, some speakers and like, we want to have, uh, you know, this or that. And they just kept going, okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, we'll put you in touch with our design company and we'll like, you know, we'll do something really cool and we'll put vinyl up in the windows and all that sort of stuff. Cause you know, that, um, nice. you know, it's just, yeah. it's just a beautiful, a beautiful place. And then our friend, uh, Tina Karekas, who was running a spot on the boardwalk, her lease had just come up. And we said, hey, do you want to run the gallery? Because we can't run the gallery. You know, it's it's a pop-up. So while you're figuring out where your next move is going to be to, you know, to have your retail space, um, you know, you can come and run the gallery. And she was like, sure. So she bought all her stuff, like super cool mid-century modern furniture and vinyl and art and all this. And and we kind of made this little thing in here. And, and all of a sudden, like everybody was showing up. We started to have like, we, we our, our friend Rachel and Adopkin came through and like, brought some of her friends and started playing music every once in a while. And uh, we had like, you know, some events for different charities in town and everybody just started coming and hanging out. And uh, the long story short is that it was a three month pop-up. It turned into like three years. And then all of a sudden we were like, we're still here. Yeah. And, and I basically during the uh, pandemic moved my business to Asbury park um, from New York city. And now we're here, we're here full time. Awesome. And that's my, I, I have a cousin who was living up in Jersey city and he was, he and his family uh, were downtown Jersey city. They bought a yeah. place in Asbury park like six years ago. And uh, now during the pandemic, they moved down there full time. He goes out and surfs every morning. He's two blocks from the ocean. Amazing. Uh, he could still go up to the city when he needs to, but, it, and, and again, like I said, like for a, a kid growing up, I remember I've, went through Asbury park when they were like, just as you described, there was nothing there. And, and, and throw that against that backdrop of sort of the, the Springsteen sort of mystique and, and, you know, like all yes. those street names and everything. Yeah. To see that it's turned around and that yeah. you're a big part of it. I mentioned your name to my cousin. He's like, Oh yeah. He's yeah, like, he's, he's, he's a great ambassador for Asbury park. The fact that it's become this location, that's not just about your photography, that it's really like a sort of an anchor of a community that there's mu musical performance yeah. is just uh, it's, it's wonderful. And that the fact that a place like that could have another life now is, is, yes especially for me, just knowing what it used to be. That's just wonderful. Yeah. And it yeah. must be gratifying to be part of that. It is. It is. And we never expected to be here that long. And, you know, we like started hanging out here and doing the do. And then now all of a sudden we have like, you know, not only, you know, we have like our own branding, we are selling like t-shirts and hoodies and stuff. And as well as my photography is for sale. And then we have like music shows and then all of a sudden, we started working on this clinch collections t-shirt thing and we're selling those here. And it's like a unique sort of spot to come. And 
you know, be a part of the community. And it is really cool to be a, an ambassador to the community because it's a, it's a, it's something to be proud of with the way how diverse and how artistic it is here. Um, and then my buddy Tim Donnelly and I uh, and H.M. Woolman and Tim Sweetwood started the See Here Now music festival here. Yeah. And, you know, we're in our fifth year out of six years. We've had Pearl Jam here. We've had, you know, the Killers and the Foo Fighters and Deborah Harry and Stevie Nicks, and as well as, you know, Idols and Revolution and Nathaniel Rateliff, Gary Clark Jr., My Morning Jacket, like all Amazing. these people I know and love, Courtney Burnett, like I could just go on and on and on and just like, it's like it's it's really mind blowing and it's uh it's pretty cool not bad for a kid from tom's river new jersey that's right that's awesome. right the house painter's son that's right it's like a lyric out of a, a springsteen song <laughs> i'm telling you i've always said all these songs like saint in the city growing up yep racing in the streets those yep. songs were written about my father yeah and and uh, and Bruce got to meet my father. It was uh, actually Bruce's 60th birthday, and um, we were we hung a show here in Asbury, uh, and this was when it was like kind of desolate Asbury. And Bruce kept saying he was going to come through, and at the end he did. He and Patty came over. We were taking the show down. My dad was helping us spackle and paint uh, paint the walls because we had to leave them the way we found them. And Bruce showed up, and my dad. Uh, uh, they showed up and Patty had a, um, like a 1951, like Hudson Hornet convertible mint, beautiful. And, uh, she was insisting that my dad take it for a ride. Cause my dad was a real greaser and had, to, Oh, I had a Hornet, you know, when I was a kid, she's like, Oh, you should take a ride. He's like, no, 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 I don't want to ride it. And then Bruce was like sticking the keys in my dad's hands. He's like, come on, man, you're not going to hurt this car. You got to drive it. And they get into the car and I go turn around to grab my camera bag, like this little bag I had. And then they just take off without me. <laughs> and uh, and so my dad grew up in Wall, which is right next to Freehold. Yeah. And uh, and they went off on this little tour talking about where they got their clothes when they were kids for school. Talked about like getting the gold ring at the carousel and yeah. not turning it in for the stuffed animal, but giving it to their girlfriends. Like they had this whole conversation and uh, and a whole hang together. Uh, and it was awesome. And my dad rolled back you know, and I'm standing there like, you know, what the heck you guys left me. And my dad's like, man, I love Asbury park. Everybody's waving to me. And we all were like, yeah. They're and, <laughs> yeah. They're waving to you. Dad. You're cruising with Bruce and his wife. <laughs> in Asbury park. Uh, it was just him and Bruce. That's wonderful. And, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. And, and so, uh, uh, Patty was like, Danny wants to get a photo. Getting, get, I jumped in the back and we drove around the block again. And I took this photo of them, of the two of them. And I took it literally on 4th and Kingsley. And I'm on Kingsley between 4th and 5th. Cool. So this was before even wow. Star came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's pretty wild. It's pretty good. That's yeah. great. Awesome. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, man, next time in, I'm in Jersey, I come back and forth quite a bit. So next time I, I'll pop in and, and, uh, and, and check out the spot. I haven't been there. Oh, yeah. oh man, you're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't we wrap it up, Danny? Cause I know you're yeah, anything you're, else, anything else shortly. I got two minutes I can spare. Uh, all I want to say is that, uh, the, the photograph that you, uh, took of Metallica at San Quentin which is now hanging prominently in my house that yeah. I saw, 
that that great photograph that I saw at your pop up. And my wife's a musician. She's a classical musician. Um, and she saw that photo and dragged me over to it. And she said, look at, and we're not Metallica. I mean, like I, I respect Metallica. I don't own any Metallica records, but the exuberance in that yeah. photograph is, yeah. uh, it, it's it's I, I love having it in my house because I never get tired of looking at it. And I just study the different faces of those guys who are just, you know, unleashing while the, band, through the, through yeah, their while the band is just unleashing at the same time. And I, 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 I just, uh, I want to give you a shout out for that one in particular, because that, uh, that holds a special place in my home and, and in my heart. So I didn't want to have this conversation without recognizing that. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, well, Danny, uh, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Uh, it, it was a pleasure. And anytime I get to talk about the Jersey shore and, and photography and Bruce yeah. Springsteen in, in, in all in one conversation, it's a good day. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. So there you go, folks, my conversation with music photographer Danny Clinch. I really enjoyed shooting the shit New Jersey style with Danny, talking about uh, so many wonderful things about growing up in New Jersey and, and exploring the world of photography, each uh, in our own way. But uh, also just really thrilled that Danny took the time out and uh, agreed to chat with me. I will share links to the many photographs that Danny and I discussed during the interview and also a link to Danny's transparent gallery down in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Also a link to his book, Still Moving, which is a really great overview of his career in music photography and a career that is still going strong today. If you have any questions or comments about this episode or any other, you can go to my website, rightidominantpodcast.com. And uh, scroll down to the bottom. You'll find a spot there where you can send me questions, comments, and I love hearing from listeners. Uh, also, you'll find all of the previous episodes on that website. So uh, jump in if you haven't heard them all yet. There's plenty to listen to. And then lastly, if you could leave me a rating or a review on the podcast platform that you are currently listening to this on, it will definitely help me get my show in front of more people. I really appreciate everyone who's come on board and uh, has listened and supported me. And uh, I'm really excited just to see this podcast continue to grow in so many good ways. So that's it for now. This has been the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I've been your host, Nick Toro Jr. And until next time, stay well. This podcast has been a production of RightEyeDominant.art. The music for today's episode is brought to you by The Conic Project and Yazar. Yazar.